0: Okay, so I know um, you don't have a program notes, so I'm going to um, tell you what each of them was called in case you don't al- al- already know. Um, we start with My Buddy Valentine and uh, Feed Me With Your Kiss. Then it was Earl Brutus, SAS, and Paul Weller, You Do Something To Me. Who did you call the um, I'm not sure. Bottom. <coughs> it's the red one. Oh, the red one. Is that working? Yeah, cool. Thank we're you. Good. Excellent. You're on. Are you on? Yeah, I'm on. Okay. okay. Rock on. Okay. Right. Uh, well, let's let's start with the my my buddy Valentine. You just said that that was like the second video you made. You, I know you didn't like do the whole film school route, and you were you were obviously you were a musician. And how did the making videos thing come about in the first place? I don't know. I guess the. the, the
1: I guess it's quite telling that the first thing I bought when I got my record advance before I bought a really nice guitar was a Super 8 camera, so, you know. As I get for me, and like lots of people that are in bands, there's a kind of twin obsession with film and music. It was really, it's never been something that's been separated for me, so. It's a natural thing, and I had that Super 8 camera, and then Kevin from My Blue Valentine, pester me. He said, "Let's make a video." So, I did it, and then we did another one. That was the second one, and then strangers started asking me, and it seemed like I was quite surprised at that. And that was while I was still in the band, so it was a really kind of natural progression. And yeah, and it's a great way to learn filmmaking, making music videos. It's like a, having an apprenticeship in the kind of old-fashioned sense.
0: And do you still find that
1: in terms of a a place to kind of test out ideas and to to learn new stuff? Yeah, it's an incredible kind of open medium for testing ideas and also working with different technicians and directors of photography. So I mean, I love it. I mean, it goes back to the time when I was like you know fourteen, watching you know Sex Pistols put legs, you know, and I think something that's been really influential. It's like you get six pistols bootlegs or cornish cl- or corns bootlegs when you were 15 and they were like really shit quality. quality. And then added to that you would do acid or mushrooms and watch them all night. And I think, you know, hopefully you'll see over the course of the night that I've never really got away from them. It. <laughs> it's quite a profound thing, Especially coming from East School where you could pick mushrooms in your front garden. So.
0: Okay, well with um, with the second video, the, um, the L Brutus one, I, I sometimes think in, in cinema in general, it's very rare that you see like a, a live music performance that feels sweaty, that feels, you know, something visceral. And in that one, I, as soon as I saw it, I wanted to smash things. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about that from, from your experience of, of being someone who performs. Um, yeah, how you talk to the band about um, Kind of bringing that performance into into film into music
1: video. Well, I think, and you'll see over the course of the night, there's performance and quite a lot of those things. But it, again, it goes back to watching, you know, the Sex Pistols videos, pretty vacant, and you know, so uh, and like for me, there's a real power in that. So, and I think that lots of the things, you know, like seeing music presented visually on top of the pops. always something really powerful in that for me and and i think over the years people have come to me that for like paul weller who you know came to when i first worked with him in like 1990 or whatever he said to me a really strange thing that he'd been in the jam since he was 16 and probably the time i met him he made like 30 music videos you know and he said to me you know it was like kind of like an insane compliment he said you know i've made videos for so long and like 95% 95% of them I can't watch them back and I was like, why? And he said, because I look like a dick. <laughs> I guess because he felt that he was doing this performance thing and he's like an amazing live performer and to take that out of the context of the live performance and onto a kind a of music video and I guess being in a band and being in that feeling like that, you know, the band I was in, there were some great videos but it was really hard to watch them back because you look like a dick. <laughs> so. I think that I've, and people tend to come to me for that reason that they want to make a music video that they don't look like a dick in, and that's <laughs> a very high thing.
0: Well, well, one of the videos we're going to see later is a similar, similar kind of uh, trajectory in terms of being like a day trip, the last one, the Paul Weller one, that, that feeling of, uh, it'd be interesting to know how planned and how meticulous you are in advance or whether it is just, you know, you, you have the faith and the confidence that you're going to pick up people having a good time.
1: I think that was like, you know, it's when the Paul Weller one, and you'll see the pedocrity thing later, that we'd go out with a Super 8 camera with no crew, just simply me and them and, you know, after having a kind of good day out for like five or six hours, like I'd say, that's it, we've made the video and they couldn't believe it really. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and also it's quite self indulgent because I'm a lazy fucker and I'd like to just make things quite quickly. Yeah. But I think, you know, but, but it's in a way it's nice that, you you know, if you're making a music video, it's nice to feel like you're not doing any work, you know. And I think anyone that's ever been in a band, is you join a band because you want to avoid work. And <laughs> then you do that sense of real work. I and mean, later on you find out that it's actually loads of work, but it's a bit of a downy. Okay, well,
0: the last one I have on these is uh, just the old Brutus one again. Where did the um, Where did the moustache come from? Where was that idea? I mean, I guess
1: Scott King, who does some of those sleeves, that's kind of his idea. But it goes back to you. There's a, a Ben Well film, *Salmon of the Desert*, where Sylvia Pinel was an amazing actress. She wears a beard at point. So, yeah, it's just rip really. <laughs> okay, should we watch the next three? Next four.
0: Okay, so the videos you just saw were telescopes with uh, Celeste. Uh, Peter Doherty with *For Lovers*, Edwin Collins *Keep on Burning*, and *The Horrors* uh, *Sea Within a Sea*. Um, right, it was, it was really interesting seeing the telescopes one and then the horrors one as the kind of bookends in that that section because it feels like there's there's quite a clear um, a clear thread through lots of your videos actually th- that's to do with this kind of. Uh, uh, use of kind of block colours and how you play with kind of geometric kind of stripes and shapes and, and, and stuff like in the first one it was felt a lot in, in post whereas in that one it was very much kind of um, you know directed at the band and how did she come across this style? She- well,
1: I guess the, the, the strange, is that working? Do you, you think all this fucking thing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I, it's weird that the, the Edwin Collins one which was one from VHS and was shot on film, and you know quite some years ago. And to get that effect, you know you had to shoot it on film and then get a print and then add those colors frame by frame on an aud- optical printer. You know it took a long time, and then the Horrors one, which similar kind of atmosphere was done digitally, but but not digitally because we. The only the only way you could get that texture was to, uh, you know, attach magnets to the television, which is something you everyone discovers when they're a kid when they fuck up their mum and dad's TV by putting magnets on the front, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Uh, so uh, it goes back to those kind of same preoccupi- pre- preoccupations, you know, colour and texture and energy, but yeah.
0: Do you enjoy working on digital as much as working on film? Well, it's a strange thing with digital, you know. I mean, I
1: love film, and I guess, you know, you've got to make the most of whatever is put in front of you, but it's a really sad thing that film... No-one makes music videos on film anymore, it's really sad. Someone told me the other day that they shot something on 60mm and went to do it again two years later and hired the same camera from the, the same kind of... You know, place. And when you make a film, you know, you put marks on the lenses, you know, there's marks for focus, and you leave kind of gaffer tape all over it. And when they went to hide it again two years later, no one had used it in that time because all the little marks were still on. So, you know, sad, but you know, but I guess you can. The thing about digital is, like, with analogue technology, if you f- half break it or you fuck around with it, you get really interesting things, and most digital technology. If you do that, it just doesn't fucking work. <laughs> you know, it's like, how can you, f- you know, so, yeah. Okay. But I guess you've got to strive whatever technology you've got. You know, either digital or or film. You've got to s- try and fuck it up something, and it like digitally. You know, the there's new generations of cameras every time, and they're all striving to make it look like film, and you're like, well oh, why don't you just shoot it in a fucking film? Well,
0: kind of aside from the, the technology and the, the, the texture of the format, are there any particular kind of visual influences or, or filmmakers who are um, kind of feeding into this, this kind of, the ideas that you've got about colour?
1: Well, as I said before, it's a kind of but like video plus acid. That's a big thing, and then but then you discover you know, if you live in East Goldbride like I did, and you'd go to the kind of library and you'd look at film books and you'd see people like Stan Brackage and Kenneth Anger, but you can never see those films. You might see some stills from their films and you'd kind of like, how do they do that? And you'd th- figure out your own way to do it in a totally different way to they did. So and I think in anything you do in music or, or film or anything, the kind of preoccupations that you have when you're 15 or 16, stay with you, you know. They always expand and you take them on a stage, but you're always going to keep coming back to them, I think.
0: Okay, well, I'm about to ask you about uh, sometimes teenage occupation, um, occupation, thing that you think about, not an occupation. Um, Romance, I want to ask you about romance and um, the Pete Doherty video and how i was thinking about this i was thinking about the iconography of certain artists is so bound up with cinema and i mean even now when people are um people are more likely to see um a video on youtube than they are actually to have any cover artwork because they're downloading so much and i wonder if that's something that you really think about with certain artists as to how much you're building part of the myth of who they are
1: well i mean when i started making videos there was no such thing as youtube really and uh, he'd he'd make these videos and no one would ever see them. You know, it so was a kind of mystery to. It. I think in the, the YouTube age, you know, I guess that the video with Pete talking is like, you know, it may have a mystery to it, but the truth of the matter was, what he was so fucked up at the time that. You know, the record company kept trying to make videos and he would fuck off and do loads of crack and the woman from Rough Trade just said, Well, here's five grand, go and try and find them and make a video and obviously I was doing loads of crack at the time and she was like chances are you'll probably disappear and I'll never fucking see you again or you'll come back with a great video and that's what happened. But you know, the truth of the matter is he he said, I'll meet you at six o'clock in the morning when I come off the train from London and I Totally knew if he wasn't there, I would have fucked off and spent all the money. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just it's kind of, accident. I mean that's the thing about those experimental filmmakers that you love, and before you even really discover what they do and read about it, it's that kind of thing, you know, spontaneity and the accident. Nah, I've been a lazy fucker. I found all that by accident. You know, like the, you know, accidents can make amazing. Things it's the spontaneity and things that are unplanned have a kind of vibrancy that
0: perhaps you don't see other places. Mm. But I guess that also takes a lot of trust from the artists that they, you know that they can be spontaneous and that you're going to capture it. I
1: suppose so, you know. And I guess, but when you enter into any job or any music video and someone asking, it's like you know you're bound to give everything to them. It's a contract, really, you mm. know.
0: Okay, and, and then I guess another one, the the Edwin Collins. He's also someone who, uh, I mean, that whole song is about. uh well, it's quite a statement about his, you know, digging the Northern Soul scene, um, and not digging, you know, grunge and some of the other things that he thought were rubbish at the time. Um, how much, how much kind of collaboration do you have with kind of certain artists in terms of their? I mean, how fixed were ideas around that? Well, yeah, it's always
1: the collaborate. I mean the optimal way of making music videos is a collaboration, but the kind of sad thing is that you never always get that opportunity, you know you're given a song and you have to write a script and you ask the company can I go and meet them or can I go and see them live and they think that's a fucking stupid question, you know which is horrifying but with someone like Edwin it's utterly something talked talked her before, not in the most, not in direct terms, but you meet them and you hang out with them for a while, you know, and you find that you have the same thing, same kind of preoccupations. Why do I choose that fucking word when I'm drunk? <laughs> <laughs> the same obsessions. Obsession so, uh, yeah. But Edwin was like someone, like when I was a kid, he was my hero, so it's kind of, mental deal with him but yeah he's a great guy i mean you know that was the kind of follow-up to his big hit single you know and it went nowhere <laughs> what's his? Yeah.
0: What, should we watch the last three
1: uh, what's next,
0: next
1: three, what, the, the okay well, uh, so the next one is spiritualized who's like jest is a good friend of mine and something that I've done a few videos for. And then it's a Brazil seventy which is uh, something I made for the BBC using Primal Screams music and I'd made lots of music videos for them and this is a documentary for the BBC and it was a great way to take on everything I've learned from music videos into a different kind of realm really. And the last thing you'll see is a short film which is a kind of ultimate Expression of all that, which still has music and a great title sequence by Jim Lambie who Yeah. But anyway, yeah, let's watch some.
0: Okay, I've got a couple more and I'll open it out so um, you can all ask questions. Um maybe just to go back to the briefly to the first uh, videos in that section, um the uh spiritualised one, can you can you talk a bit about kind of why you chose that for tonight and, and, and what you remember of the process of making it? Well, it's weird. I chose
1: it in because I've not seen it since I made it. <laughs> I, I quite like to see it again. Uh, I I just love that video. I don't know why. just something about it. Like it, the, it was all done like all those mixes between the faces and the the kind of raindrops. It was all done live. It was not like post production. You know, we literally had a a bottle, of, a kind of s- spray thing of water over a mirror, and we just turned the lights off and on. Like, Goes back to being a lazy fucker and just wanting to do it all, <laughs> not having to fuck around with post-production. So, yeah. All right, all right. Just you see it. There's nothing
0: really. Deep okay. Well, Brazil '70. You kind of said this was a short for the BBC. So, yeah. how how did that come about? How did they seen your work, and and was this something that's always been kind of an obsession for you, or?
1: No, I think that I'd. Mike Hallway, who, who I made that with, was a guy from L Records and he put this amazing compilation of like, it was a football record but in the most kind of abstract sense, it was like bits of Eric Morecambe commentating on like a fucking Luton Town match and strange football songs and we made a film on with our own money really, commissioned by really the Japanese and we sent it to the BBC almost for a, a laugh and then like they called up two days later saying hey we're making a whole football night we want to you know want you make the opening program we were like fuck's sake oh, <laughs> and then so we went in to make it and there was a big resistance this was in 1992 or something or, and uh, then it was a big re- football at that time you know now it's quite common to have like kind contemporary music with football but when we went to the bbc it was literally guys and kind of you know, brown coats doing the telecine, and they were like, You can't do that sort of thing. And, and I'd worked with Primal Screams music in music video form, and cause I knew that, you know, I mean, Andrew's here tonight, and he was like the ball boy, and you know, at Hamden and things, and so, I, so it just made sense to me to use their music with that era of football, you know. Mm. And like when they commissioned us, you know they were, like, saying to me in a disappointed voice, you know, you want want you make a, f- a film about Brazilian football, but we're not going to send you to Brazil, but you can go to the BBC archives for a month, and that, that was, like, fucking, that's way better than going to fucking Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> and at that time, it was all, like, you know, it wasn't digitised at that time, it was all, like, going to a library and looking through cards, and we just pulled out stuff about skinheads and mods and spent half the time watching that and then spent a couple of days watching football. <laughs> literally, a lot of those things that we used in that had never been – it was on 16mm and on a Steinbeck, and they'd obviously never been watched since the, the documentaries that we took those sequences from were made, you know. But it was like a dream to go to the BBC Archive in Windmill Lane, and it's like a massive warehouse, and it's like, you know, piles and piles of 16mm, you know. Prince and it looks like heaven, really.
0: Excellent. Okay. Um, long distance information. Then. Um, so this short film has been showing at lots of different festivals and is now in kind of cinemas as part of the Joy of Six as well, and it's kind of touring around the UK. Um, can, we, can we start with the story and how this story came to you? Well, it's a true story. I mean, it's really, you know, it's when it comes. To, it's a strange.
1: It's quite difficult to write short. You know films that last you know seven or, or so minutes in a complete form but luckily or maybe not not luckily that that happened to me you know so i think it's like utterly depressing but ultimately you know you gotta turn it around and make something good out of it but yeah, so i was the kid you know i literally phoned you know i used to li- sit, live in a flat and i you know, properly, no floorboards, so I could hear the family downstairs, like everything they said. And it was a Christmas day, and I think they bought some ray guns for Christmas, and they were making a racket, and the Dad started fucking screaming at them, going, fucking shut up! You know, and it made me think, you know, I couldn't really go down here and do anything, but it made me think of my family, my dad. And I thought, I'm going to call home, and I'm going to my dad answered the phone, rather than the usual, can I speak to my mum? straight away, I'm going to try and have a conversation with them and we had this conversation It was like, like pulling teeth that went on, it was mono-fucking-syllabic and like total general whatsoever, like, and so halfway through I'm thinking, fuck my relationship with my dad is really bad and then eventually he said, okay then do you want to speak to your sister and I'm like, fuck it's even worse than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'd always wondered what the f- so obviously I'd like dialed somewhere in my hometown, probably two streets away from where I go. I got one number wrong or something, and I always wondered what his, what the guy's face was like. And to get Peter Mullen to do it, I mean, we got no money to make that film, and that I somehow got Peter Mullen's agent's number and sent him that script, and everyone was going, you know, don't get your hopes up. You'll never. You know. You probably won't do it, think of other people and I had his, I also had his face in mind because basically he's playing my dad, so it was fucking weird on the day because he was so good at it, I was getting like, <laughs> a bit freaked out and he just got back so, like two days later he sent me just like a five word response and which just simply said, fucking superb, count me in so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's a strangely personal story, it's not like, even watching it now, like figure me out. Okay. But.
0: okay, do we have some questions from the audience?
1: Hopefully not.
0: Questions or comments on what you've seen as well?
1: I saw got go the bar. <laughs> some questions first. Yeah, yeah up there. Go
0: on. Um, Kevin Shields is kind of. Oh. Kevin Shields um, is, is rightly or wrongly portrayed as a, a bit of a perfectionist in the music press, and, and the video. Uh, at the beginning there was quite raw. Um, as you said, you've kind of kept that aesthetic through a lot of your videos. Did he have s- much of a say sort of over the, the, the finished product or was he quite relaxed as far as?
1: No, not at all. I mean, he was he was quite, he would really pester me to make those videos and not, he just like would let me, I guess he kind of maybe thought I understood them and but not at all, no. Not, at that time, not before he started smoking so much weed. I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, no, it was a very much a a natural thing. You know, he was uh, very happy with them and never ever. When he saw it, he just thought that's fine. You know, let's do another one. Thank you.
0: Yeah, sound good. Hey, Douglas. Um, in long
1: distance information, how did you Can feel? You need us right for the mic, a second. Um, I have to do it in the microphone. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. I'm recording
0: it weirdly. Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> um, in long distance information, what was it like? Um, casting yourself.
1: What? Well, no. Yeah, like really. Casting your boy. Casting the, boy, the casting dad. The in a way that he was the only Scottish actor of a certain age that lived in London. So <laughs> it was quite... <laughs> but weirdly people keep saying, he looks really like you. I think it's a nose, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was really... It's a freakish thing. You've got to try and, like, I guess, you know, if you write something, a script is based on your real life, you've got to try and just l- let it go, you know. But he, we did see some other actors that came down from Scotland and they were a bit kind of middle class and they were, like, trying to do a kind of a working class Scottish accent and it was just like, you can't, are fucking Scottish and you can't even do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think it was really important that the voice was exactly the same. So in a way, like when I, it was strange when I came to casting, there was four or five of them and ultimately I just sat at home and not watched their faces, but just listened to them and he was the one and it was great. Alan, he was really amazing. And it turned out later, I didn't know this, that Peter Mullen's first ever, Caroline Patterson, who plays the mum, had run a theatre company called Raindog Dog with Robert Carlyle. Then husband and Peter Mullen's first job was with them. And the Alan Tripney, the guy who played the kid, had been in their youth theatre. So it was a really weird thing when they all came together on the day. It, did it feel? Um,
0: Kind of a natural progression in terms of working with actors to working with bands, or was it a different mindset?
1: It's weirdly, you know, strangely, it was not that different. You know, actors, you have to you know, get a performance from them, and it's not that different from working with performers, really. I mean, on the way up to shooting the first day with Peter Mullen, I was quite kind of nervous and wondering how that would work, but strangely, wasn't that different, really. I was really shitting it, walking up, actually. And it, I walked into the room and I'd only ever spoken to Peter Martin and then he came up and, like, hugged me and put his arm around me But not just a little kind of tappy hug, he like, held me for about a minute and I thought, fuck, that's really good. And it totally dissolved all, all nerves. So, yeah, I've got to thank him for that. All right, do we have any more from the audience?
0: Yep, over there. Well, excuse my terrible accent, but um, I just would like to know are you proud of you? I mean, uh, when you stand back and when you look back on things, how do you feel? Are you aware of that you are
1: a great uh, filmmaker? <laughs> no, I can really think of those things, I guess. I, yeah, sit and watch. Uh, some of those videos I've not seen since I made them, it. I don't know, all you need to do to, to you kind know, go forward is feel you have something to offer and, and thank fuck I feel that like I do. <laughs> <Something> <laughs> Yeah. It's a strange thing, you never really especially with music videos were kinda of strange like now with YouTube it's totally different, but when I first started making them, you'd make them and no one would ever fucking see them. So yeah, so it's a strange thing. And I, I would do it I mean it's a you know, lots of people say that but I did it for nothing when I first started, and I would do it for nothing now, and often I still do. <laughs> and, and do you have
0: um? I mean, do you have ambitions in the kind of feature film area as well, or are you going to keep making shorts or a bit of both as well as music videos? What's well, strangely,
1: after the first time that for the 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 short film was seen, I got a call from Film Four weirdly and the day after. I mean, it was. We finished that film not long before it was shown in public for the first time in the day after. It was shown at the National Film Theatre and I was walk I kinda of got up the next day thinking, Well, if never make another one it was a bit of a thrill to see that on the big screen at a cinema that I go to all the time and I got this call from Film Force saying, We saw your film coming and talk about future projects and I was like, What what fucking future projects I didn't really really think about it but so they're helping me develop another film so yeah, I guess hopefully one of these days I'll make a film, but I'm, like I said I'm a lazy fucker, it might take me five years to write it
0: Okay, alright, well I think we're going to take it to the bar where you can all ask questions um, to Douglas informally um, in the meantime, thank you all very much for coming and please join me in you for a good Thank you